to Wendell's World in Sports. Let's be great. Let's be great. An entertaining and provocative look into the world of sports and beyond. Play our game. Play hard, but stay poised. Please feel free to go over to Apple iTunes and rate and review. Your feedback is welcome. Go rock this thing, huh? Love you, man. Go get it. And now, the host of the program from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Wendell Wallace. Bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur. Mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Que pasa, mi amigos? Mi amo, Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Shalom, wassalam alaikum, my brothers and sisters. Konnichiwa, namaste, Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today. A lot of things in the world of sports that we need to be discussing today. A lot of things in the NBA playoff we need to be getting into. A lot of things regarding Julio Jones that I want to get into. A little high school basketball recruiting and some rules that I want to get into. All of that today on Wendell's World in Sports. Before we get into that though, what's happening man? What's going on? You doing good? You doing well? Everything good at home? Everything good with the family? Everything good with the spouse? Everything good with the neighborhood? Everything good with the community? You doing what you need to do to um, move this society in a better place? Listening, learning, understanding, educating yourself, hanging out with some folks who might not look the same as you, might be of a different political affiliation, doing something to grow yourself in a positive way, come on, man, it ain't for us. It's not going to be for the generation before or after us. It's going to be for your children's generation, and then their children, and then their children, so on and so forth, moving this society with all of its ills and its defects in a positive direction. So 40, 50, 60, 80 years from now, we can leave a legacy to where in the year, in the 22nd century, not with Duck Dodgers, but in the 22nd century, some of the things that are happening right now to poor folks, black folks, brown folks, women and gays and others can be that a thing of the past. And then those children that'll be in school and they're taking history and they learned about all the bullshit that's been happening, like in the year 2020, who was elected in this country in 2016. They'll look at each other and scratch their heads and say, man, people were that stupid back then. And us looking from heaven and maybe some of us looking up from hell will say, yep, we sure were. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Man, I told you I was going to get into some stuff regarding the NBA basketball. Now, I took a look at all the games, been watching all the games, even hanging in Mesquite, Nevada, getting doing what I need to do. We're still watching some basketball games. We're still taking notes. We're still doing some studying. We're still listening and learning in terms of what was happening in those uh, games. So, the first two rounds of, or the first two games of the first round of the series. That's what, we're going to, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. What series are starting to get interesting? We've always said, I've always said, experts have always said that the series is really not a series until the home team loses, until the home team loses its advantage. So when a series, for instance, is tied two to two, and then it becomes the best of three series or something like that, that's when it really starts to get interesting. That's level two. Level one is the first couple of games where a home team loses its home court advantage. Then things start to get interesting. So you take a look at some of the surprises so far, some of the interesting storylines, some of the interesting thing going things going on. I think 
in the Western Conference, man, I think it is wide, 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 wide open. And I'm not just talking about with the regulars. When we first came into the playoffs, when the Western Conference, it was about, all right, are the Lakers going to be able to rebound and do what they need to do? Rebound basketball Lakers. Pretty good, huh? Are the Lakers going to get in good enough health? with LeBron and AD to become the monsters that they were before all these injuries started to happen. And even though they're in the number seven seed, had to play the Golden State Warriors and be bailed out with LeBron shooting a 36-foot jump shot with the shot clock running down late in the ball game just to get to that number seven seed so they could play Phoenix. Are they going to have the muster? Are they going to have the juice? Are they going to have the legs? Are they going to have to have the health to get where they were before all of these things happen, the favorites to not just make it out of the Western Conference, but in all probability to repeat as NBA champions, how close are they now going into the playoffs? People were thinking about, well, their major obstacles, if you think about it, this was before the playoffs started, were going to be the maybe the Los Angeles Clippers, who did everything humanly possible to try to avoid them. But, I mean, hey, they had um, they had uh, Kawhi, they had Paul George, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. So that, that would be an obstacle for the Lakers. You're speaking about Utah, who had the best record in the NBA. They would be an obstacle. All of these teams that we were thinking about with the L.A. Lakers are concerned. I mean, Phoenix in the first round was going to give them a hard test with Chris Paul uh, trying to, you know, uh, increase – his legend in terms of the only thing left getting to an NBA championship, winning an NBA championship, winning a conference finals. All of those storylines were being played as obstacles for the Lakers to get where they needed to be as repeating champions. Well, after two games in the Western Conference, in terms of who are the Lakers' biggest obstacles, I still think it's Phoenix. But then, could we possibly slide in the Dallas Mavericks? Can we possibly slide in the Memphis Grizzlies? Can we possibly slide in the winner of Portland and Denver? No, but still, you take a look at some of the surprises. You know, Memphis winning game one. Now, Donovan Mitchell wasn't playing. But even in game two, even though Memphis won 141-129, I saw some things in terms of Memphis, what they can do, especially going back to Memphis. Now, all they need to do is hold serve on their home court. And I saw some advantages that they might be able to take advantage of. Mainly, John Morant ain't nobody on the Utah Jazz able to guard that cat. And Jonas Valanciunas, I'm telling you right now, if the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell isn't close to at least 75, 80%, and Rudy Gobert gets in foul trouble, the Utah Jazz are in some serious trouble, especially if their three-point shooting is going to be hovering around mediocre to slightly below mediocre because there's no one that can stop John Moran on that top of the key penetration off the pick and roll. There's no one, especially Derek Favors, man, last night against the um, Grizzlies, I mean, against the um, Jazz, man, when Rudy Gobert went to the bench, Lord have mercy. You you had to feel sorry for Derek Favors trying to uh, hold up against that mountain of a man named Jonas Valanciunas who had his way inside. I just see that there's some matchups that Taylor Jenkins... And the Memphis Grizzlies can use against the Utah Jazz that we haven't even spoken about. Um, I don't know, Dylan Brooks, I don't know if he's the X factor, but not just with his defense. Game one, he had a really good game, scored 30-something points. So, you know, I know Utah might have righted the ship a little bit. I know even in game one, early in the second quarter, that Utah was rolling. I think they were up by double digits. Even in the second game, 
Utah was comfortably ahead. Then Donovan McNabb, uh, Donovan McNabb, Donovan Mitchell in his post game was talking about we let the uh, we took the the uh, pedal off the metal a little bit. Well, that was just you know Memphis starting to feel their groove and starting to get into things. And you know John Morant and Memphis, those guys aren't intimidated. Those guys aren't scared. Those guys are foolish enough to actually actually believe that they can beat these guys. And now going back to uh, back to uh, Stack Studios that area. Going back to where Otis Redding and Booker T and the MGs and Sam and Dave and Carla Thomas and all them bad boys in the city where they cranked out so many soulful tunes. Going back to that city to play game three and four, the same place where the uh, Black History Museum is, the main place where Martin Luther King spent his last days, his last moments, his last seconds in that city. Game three is going to be something else, man. If Memphis wins game three, mm. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. So we'll get into that. Biggest surprises. I mentioned Memphis, Milwaukee, the way they won game two. I'm recording this on a Thursday morning. So this afternoon, game three, it's going to be Milwaukee and Miami, then the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. So, you know, Milwaukee, very strong in game two. Shot the lights out. Be interesting to see the way Miami responds in game three. If they don't come out and win game three, and for all intent and purposes, the season is basically over for the Miami Heat. Not officially, but, you know, the chances ugh, ain't looking good. So I'll get into that. Teams which are disappointed so far. I mean, number one with a bullet, the Los Angeles Clippers. Where do we go from here? What's going to be happening with the Clippers if they lose this series? Let, let, let's, let's call... Let's play It's the Worst Case Scenario Game. Now, here's your host, Wendell Wallace. What happens, man, playing this game? If the Clippers lose 4-0 and they're swept in the first round of the playoffs, what do we do with this team? You're not, you're not trading Paul George. You can't improve yourself in the draft because to acquire Paul George, the Clippers gave... Oklahoma City, I think all of their first round choices until the year 2466. What are we going to do with Kawhi Leonard? What did the legacy mean for Kawhi Leonard? What do we do with Ty Lue? What are we going to be doing with this team here? There's nothing that we can do to improve this. Bradley Beal is not going to the Los Angeles Clippers. There's no major upgrade that you can have that can improve the Los Angeles Clippers for next season if they lose 4-0 to the Dallas Mavericks. And I don't even think it's a situation where we're dealing with lack of talent. I don't want to call lack of heart. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Los Angeles Clippers. But right now, there's multiple things going on where we thought, I shouldn't say we, but what I thought were just like, ah, you know, this, that, and the other, that, wait a second here. Wait a moment. Uno momento. There's some really, some uh, stuff that we really need to look into that I don't know that can be fixed. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard can all of a sudden turn into an alpha dog. I don't know if Paul George can turn in really into that playoff P sidekick 1A option that they need. I don't know. I don't know. And that's 4-0. And we've seen last season with Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, getting rid of Black America's head coach Doc Rivers after that meltdown against the Denver Nuggets. You know what? Maybe it's a situation where it wasn't all Doc's fault. And I remember throughout this season, I mean, Ty Lue, if you saw the Clippers play enough, 
You saw when there was any indication of any adversity, any indication during the game where the Clippers might be slipping, the confidence might be getting a little bit low, the other team is making a run, Ty Lue would call timeout. And what would be one of the first things he would do on a semi-consistent basis? All right, come on, guys. Come on. This is during the regular season. Every time there'd be a little adversity, you call timeout, another team would make a little run. I guess Lou would kind of see that maybe the shoulders were slumped a little bit, the heads were down a little bit, the confidence was waning a little bit. So he couldn't chew them out in terms of, come on, man, let's go. What the fuck y'all doing? Get your heads up. Get that and the other. He had, to be, he had to be one of the encouraging. He had to be the encouraging type. He had to be the smoother. He couldn't be the whipper. Well, I mean, if that's a situation where, where's Kawhi? That's not the, that's not the role of the coach. To see the players' shoulders being down, the heads being bent, the gait being a little less slow, a little less swag, that's not the coach's deal to sit there and go, come on, guys, let's go, we got this, all right. They made the run, now it's time for ours. We're doing fine, we're in this, let's go, let's go. That's not Ty Lue's responsibility, that's Kawhi Leonard's responsibility. That's Kawhi Leonard's responsibility to have the relationship with his teammates to say either either Steve Nashum or to Chris Paulum, which is either to get in their ass and chew them out or to go ahead and slap fives and pat them on the ass and, and encourage them. I mean, that's what a leader is all about, from what I learned, from what has been told to me. I've never been the franchise player of an, of an NBA team, so I've never been in that position, but from what I've been told by other players who have been champions, who have been franchise players of that organization who have been champions, it's your decision. You're the one that sets the tempo. You're the one that sets the, the, the mood of the team and where it's going. Kawhi Leonard isn't that guy. Kawhi Leonard's not the vocal one. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is like, look, I'm going to do my job. I expect you to do yours. So if the Clippers falter in the first round of these playoffs, where are we going with this team? What are we doing with this team? You played Terrence Mann, speaking of Ty Lue, you played Terrence Mann in game two. I mean, you paid Luke Kennard, I don't know, what, $75 million for him to sit on the bench and do nothing during the playoffs? If the team's not hitting from the outside, which they haven't been, you can't put in Luke Kennard for some type of minutes? Well, his defense, what defense? Nobody on that team is playing any defense. If no one's going to play defense, you might as well go ahead and try Luke Kennard. At least he can stretch the floor a little bit with the threat of shooting a three-pointer. He's a bigger three-point threat than Nicholas Batum, who has been getting roasted by Luka Doncic, whose who's, uh, legacy keeps growing and legend keeps growing. That kid's going to wind up being one of the greatest basketball players of his generation and He's like Patrick Mahomes in the terms and in the point of, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, Dirk. I'm sorry, Akeem. I mean, there's been some, I'm sorry, Sharunas Marshallonis. I'm sorry, Manu Ginobili. I'm sorry, Tony Parker. I'm sorry, even if we go to the, you know, north of the Canadian border and say, I'm sorry, Steve Nash. I mean, there's been some really good international basketball players who have played in the NBA. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Giannis. There's been some great, great basketball players, Hall of Fame basketball players who have played in the NBA, who have made their mark in the NBA, who have won championships in the NBA, who have been influential in the NBA, who have been legends in the NBA. Like Patrick Mahomes, how we're already putting him up there with Tom Brady and others as the greatest quarterback who's ever lived. I'm far, I'm, I'm sorry, year three? Yeah, of Luka Doncic's career? I'm sorry, man. Um, <laughs> he might already be the greatest 
foreign basketball player we've ever had. And yeah, I know Akeem played basketball in in the uh, divided, racist, selfish, ignorant states of America, but he was born in, in Africa. He was born in the motherland. So I'm talking about folks who were born and raised on foreign soil. I'm sorry, man. The greatest who's ever played from that perspective has been Akeem and Dirk Nowitzki. I'm all ready to say in year three, I'm not ready to put Luca past him, but uh, he's well on his way. And he might achieve that moniker by year seven or eight, especially if he goes ahead and wins the championship. If Luca at year three can do what LeBron did when he first made it to the NBA finals with that group of half of, uh, of, uh, of uh, laughing boys and cartoon characters like Booby Gitson and all those taking, uh, taking that team past the Detroit Pistons, leading them to the NBA finals where they got swept by the San Antonio Spurs. If Luka can get the Dallas Mavericks into the NBA Finals year three, woo, man. I'm, <laughs> you know, the legend of Luka, it is growing. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So in the upcoming in the upcoming segments, we will talk about those type of issues. But of course, I mean, if we're speaking about sports, right? If we're speaking about sports in this country, right? You know, we have to say something about the NFL. Have you seen this stuff about Aaron Rodgers? Man, I wasn't going to say anything about Aaron Rodgers. I wasn't going to get into that nonsense. But it's like, it's, it's funny because look, you got the NFL live. You got these football talking shows. You got the NFL Network. So look, you got to talk about something. You've, you've got to feed the content, right? You got to have these guys talk about something, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how, you know, inconsequential, no matter how lame it might be here near the end of May when we have football starting in, what, three and a half months or something like that. We, we need to talk about something. So it's like, man, the um, Green Bay Packers have started OTAs, right? The Green Bay Packers volunteer OTAs, and Aaron Rodgers is hanging out in Hawaii with his fiance and um, some Hollywood guy who I I wouldn't know who he was if he came into my house right now, gave me a high five, and fixed me a Bobby Flay breakfast. But I mean, you know, he's hanging out with these guys and these movie stars. What does that mean for the Green Bay Packers? What does that mean for Aaron Rodgers? What does that mean for his teammates? What does that mean for the organization? It means that it's near the end of May. It means that a rich guy who's happily, lovely, married in, or I don't know if he's married yet, but he's engaged. He's got the love of his life with him. He's got a boatload of money. He's got certain celebrity. He's enjoying flipping life. What does it mean for his teammates? It don't mean jack shit for his teammates. If I'm, the Matt, if I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm the Green Bay Packers and I hear some Yahoo on that team complain or whine or question about why, why Aaron Rodgers isn't here, you know what I'm doing with him? He's gone. He's cut. He's fired. <laughs> Man, don't worry about, you know what? When it's time for involuntary, when you have to be there and Aaron Rodgers, that's when I expect him to show up. Training camp? That's why I expected to show up. What does Aaron Rodgers need to be doing going to some training camp like this before or some training camp that they're holding right now? Big fucking deal, man. Let them enjoy life. And for a team that's begging and pleading and doing everything that they can to get Aaron Rodgers' mind right for him to come back to the Green Bay Packers, all of a sudden now you think they're going to be dumb enough or you think they're going to take another level of stupidity? You think they're going to be drinking another tall glass of stupid? 
to sit up there and question about, man, I can't believe Aaron Rodgers is in back to hold some type of consternation or to hold some type of attitude about Aaron Rodgers not being in some volunteer off-season program or whatever that the Green Bay Packers are holding right now. That's fine, man. Aaron, you're cool. You do what you need to do, man. You know, I would if I'm the Green Bay Packers, look, man, I would send them I would send them an extra hammock. I would uh pay for his vacation. I would make sure everything at top notch, first class, roll out the carpet, have females drop leaflets and petals, rose petals at the at the feet of him and his fiance fiance as they walk around. No expense would be spared if I'm the Green Bay Packers to try, try, try to do everything humanly possible to have Aaron Rodgers somewhat change his mind to try to come back to the Green Bay Packers organization. That's that's what they should be doing. Not them sit there holding a, you know, and, and I'm not saying that the Green Bay Packers